Welcome to the Inspired by Her Story podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Casso, travel and brand photographer and the founder of Caitlin Casso Creations, where I share other women's stories through my photographs and now this podcast. Inspired by Her Story is a podcast dedicated to inspiring, motivating, encouraging, and empowering women to get out of their comfort zones and follow their dreams. Whether it's owning their own business, experiencing something new, or making a major life change, I want to encourage other women to follow their dreams and live their lives to the fullest. Throughout this podcast, I will be sharing my own stories and those of inspirational women with hopes to let souls connect and adventures to unwind. Follow along as I take you with me during my travels, experiences, and encounters with these amazing women. Hello, hello, hello. So we are back. Yes, we are. So February ended up being quite a busy month, way busier than I ever would have expected. Hence the pause and podcast episodes. I was filled with brand photo shoots, brand strategy calls, boudoir sessions, podcast interviews. So don't worry, even though I wasn't sharing the interviews yet, I was still recording them. (laughs) But it was amazing. You never know how winter months are going to be, especially when a big part of your business is photography in New England. Um, Especially, I always think of my first year in business, it was just a rough winter. Like it scarred me. It really did. So every year I'm always like, I don't know what's going to happen. And then February ended up being amazing. Like I still can't believe it. I ended up booking a like dream client and opportunity that I'm super excited about too. I haven't even shared that on my Instagram or anything. I'm waiting to kind of share details about it, but I'm super excited. That's going to be happening in May. So that was a big deal also. Just so many amazing things happening. So I definitely was celebrating yesterday being the last day of the month on how amazing February actually was. And now I have to remind myself that every year this is a possibility for winter months, right? Like it doesn't have to be so scary in thinking that work and clients are going to come to me only in like nicer weather because there's plenty to do inside. So most of my shoots were indoors um, and there's tons to do. You know, obviously boudoir most of the time does take place indoors. I rent this beautiful studio in Hartford, Connecticut, and I absolutely love doing boudoir. But of course, it can also happen outside, which this year I'm hoping to get somebody to want to do an outdoor boudoir session, but that's a whole nother topic. Um, but for brand photo shoots, you know, renting houses and and having my clients taking their brand photos there, or one of my clients is a yoga, Pilates, and bar instructor, so doing her photo shoot within her studio, that was amazing. There's just so many opportunities and so many options when it comes to doing a brand photo shoot also. This past year, I really have expanded on the services within my business a lot. So if you've been sticking around with me from the beginning, I, you know, started my business full time doing brand photography and this podcast. These were the two main things that really started my business. 
And since then, I have expanded to now offering more like three services versus just that one of brand photography. So also offering brand strategy and boudoir photography. So if you are new to here, then you might not know that I do have a marketing experience that I come from, which is what ended up getting me into brand photography. Um, you know, the merging of the two being marketing and photography together to then create brand photography, right? So I love to, to share that with people. And so I, within the past like year, a little over a year, I believe, is when I decided to start including brand strategy as well. And that's because since I come from this experience, right, like literally working in the corporate world for over seven years, doing marketing, branding, all the stuff, especially for a small business. Um, So I really know how to literally do it all, which I think was very helpful with starting my own business. (laughs) But that's another thing. Um, So really coming from that experience, I found myself every time I would be talking to my brand photography clients, you know, and, you know, planning their photo shoots and everything. I couldn't help myself, but continue to give advice also when it just came to branding and marketing in general. And then I would have people who would come to me and ask me all these questions, right? They'd be texting me, they'd be setting up coffee dates and be like, I need to pick your brain. I don't know what I'm doing when it comes to branding and marketing. And that's when I realized I need to start including this as a service, You know, I really honestly took it for granted the fact that I came from a marketing experience before starting my business because not many people have that. A lot of the times, you know, people come and start their own business because they have this inspiration, you know, they have this story, they have this journey, and they have something that this bigger purpose, right, and this mission of what they want to do, how they want to help people. And they love doing what it is that they do. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they even know what a brand is, right? A lot of people just know exactly what marketing is, but they don't necessarily know what a brand is and why it's so important to create a brand before even marketing itself. And so that's why I wanted to really start adding this service in because I was finding out that not everybody understood how to do it. I I kind of, you know, as I mentioned, I took it for granted that I had this experience and it just, you know, comes to me. I know exactly what to do, but not everybody does. So that's why I started adding brand strategy to really, you know, help just my clients even understand what a brand actually is, how it's different than just marketing yourself, Um, you know, determining, getting crystal clear on what it is that they do, who they are, what their brand represents, how they do it differently than others, how they want their audience and their clients to feel right when working with them, everything. So I decided to start offering a brand strategy program. Um, also doing intensive brand strategy calls as well. And so this month really took off a lot with the brand strategy section as well. And what I love about it is that, you know, photography tends to keep me more in Connecticut. Um, I do travel though, you know, I do have that option to have either my clients travel to me or for me to travel to my clients to take photos as well. But 
with brand strategy, I could really do it from anywhere. So that's what's amazing, you know, doing it through Zoom, doing it virtually. I can help even more business owners really be able to create their dream businesses and attract their sole clients. A big part of that is also creating marketing strategies specific to their business and their brand. Because not every single marketing tactic needs to be hit on, especially when you are first starting your business. It's impossible to do it all, right? So that is a big part of it too, is determining what makes most sense for each of those businesses too. So I absolutely love the fact that I'm able to just help even more women entrepreneurs, right? I think it's just so amazing being able to support each other more, giving them you know, more clarity on what their brand is. So then marketing can feel even more easier to them. I don't think that's actually a word, more easier, but that's okay. You understand what I'm meaning there. (laughs) So I want to make it easy for them, right? Because my whole goal with my business is really to inspire, motivate, encourage, empower women to whether it's building their dream businesses or living their lives to the fullest, just living their dreams, doing the things that they really want to do. And that's why I started this podcast too, right? Sharing those stories of how women got to where they are today. Because I hope that others will hear these stories, hear these journeys, see themselves in it, and realize that it is possible for them as well. And I take that with me through everything that I'm building within my business. And that's why I continue to keep building more services. I can't help myself. There's so many things I want to do. For my brand strategy, I'm currently working on a couple new offers um, that I'm really excited about, hoping to release those either this week or next week um, so that there's a variety of options because I know you know, it's not a, I don't like having like one package. I like to have variety because it's not always a one size fits all. People are at different stages of their businesses. Um, They have different needs. So I really want to be able to help in a variety of ways. But that even brings in why I've also decided to include boudoir photography as well. So with boudoir, you know, it's just such an empowering experience. And my business is all about empowering, right? Helping women feel empowered in themselves. And so even if it's not necessarily just business owners that I'm working with for boudoir, which I have in the past, so that is an option for sure, but just really being able to help any anybody and everybody just really feel connected to themselves, own who they are, own their body and love themselves. I think it's so empowering. It's so incredible and that everybody needs to experience it. I feel like every boudoir photo shoot that I do is literally just an adult play date. I have so much fun. It's just so creative. Wardrobe, you know, can end up being super creative. You don't necessarily need to be, you know, in just your bra and underwear or a sexy piece of lingerie, which I do love both of those. But it can also be, you know, this really sexy, beautiful dress that you love and makes you feel amazing. It could be having, you know, a bralette and an oversized sweater. And that's it, you know, and that could feel sexy to you that could feel comforting to you also. 
there's so many different ways to do boudoir and it doesn't always have to be, again, a one size fits all. I want to feel like I can help anybody and everybody who just wants to experience this empowering experience, right? Feel amazing in their own bodies, especially as women and especially as a women's photographer. I see it often where, you know, so many women just don't always love themselves and especially their bodies and seeing that just as whether it's a brand photographer or even doing any other sort of portrait photography it really makes me sad inside when I see how you know self-conscious women can feel how they could say you know I really don't love this part about my body I really don't love that and we all have it we do of course but I want to help women see how beautiful they really are, how sexy they really can be. I want them to see it and I want them to feel it. And to me, that's what boudoir photography is. Doesn't necessarily need to be for somebody else. It could be just for yourself. And that's what I love to do. And that's why I love to include boudoir photography as well. And again, I've mentioned I've done this for brands too. You know, I have my brand clients that have either included this during their brand photo shoot because it is a brand theme of theirs. It's a part of what their brand represents, empowering, right? Or body positivity. And then I've had previous brand clients just do a separate boudoir um, session as well, just to, you know, have that empowering experience to do it for themselves. So there's so many options with it. But I honestly, I am feeling like I'm thriving with it right now. So it's something to think about, you know, if you guys have ever really thought about this, maybe you haven't in the past. I remember when I first heard about boudoir photography, I was like, what, what is that? Um, But now literally it lights me up inside and I see my clients, how lit up they get during the sessions and after too. It's an unbelievable experience. I absolutely love it. So those are the, you know, the four, well, three services that I include and then the the podcast as well. And so this past month has really been, you know, it really took off a lot. Um, and just something else that I've been doing in my business, I am currently offering a white wall mini session, which is going to be Saturday, March 12th in Southington, Connecticut. So I wanted to offer this. This is like, I don't really do mini sessions often, to be honest. It's a lot of work to put together and stay on top of people, trying to get the slots booked, all of that. And then it's constant go, go, go. Like I don't get a break as a photographer. It's just really quick and a lot of photos and nonstop. Um, So I don't offer these often. Otherwise, normally my lowest package for brand photo shoots right now is an hour session, but I am doing these mini sessions as an option of either 15 minutes or 30 minutes because I know sometimes, you know, there's some people who just literally want headshots to be taken. Uh, A big reason why I even started the idea of the white wall mini session, if you follow me on Instagram, then you have seen these examples, but something that I love as an option to do with it is leaving like this negative space, right? Like having to kind of explain it a little bit, having you, you know, over to the side a little bit more, or if we're doing more of like a portrait or vertical photo, having you down towards the bottom and pointing to the empty space. 
So the point of that is where you can write text over that empty space. So a lot of the times this is helpful for header photos or banner photos for your website so that you can have, you know, your text over it and not have to worry about it blending in with the background or anything like that. Uh, It's important for maybe even cover photos for the podcast, right? Something like that. For Instagram stories, you could answer questions, you could answer polls or or write polls, you know, like do the whole poll thing on Instagram stories Um, and using that empty space for all of those things or even just like answering polls yourself, um, writing updates. I know a lot of people will even do like booking updates or something like that. So anyway, the whole idea is to have this empty space so that you can write text over it without it clashing into anything else in the picture. And it makes it really fun and creative. I love seeing professional photos being used in Instagram stories as well. So um, I wanted to be able to give an option of that. But the space that I'm using is not just white walls. There's also a bed. There's this beautiful white desk, which white is a big part of my style, if you can't tell. Um, And a white bench and also this beautiful green like suede chair that will be really fun to use also. So there's a good variety in this studio of other things to use, um, even celebrating photos, things like that. So I'm really excited to do this session day. It's the first time I'm doing this one, the white wall mini session. I like came up with it on my own. I'm pretty proud of myself, I have to say. So I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I had a handful of people who can't make it that date, but were very interested. So I'm currently working on another date in the same place, most likely in April, just trying to get together when all of those people have uh, the same date available. And then I'll be offering that out to everybody else too, in case if I have some more time slots available. So there's a lot of exciting stuff happening. And I'm constantly just trying to build out new services, build out new packages, just create things that make sense for my clients and for their needs. And that's one of my favorite things about being a business owner is creating, right? I mean, I'm a creative. So I love creating all these new things. Um, And so I figure this is a great opportunity to even share during this little intro thing that I'm doing now. Uh, rather than do it. I don't feel like all of this would necessarily be a Casey Chats, um, but it's my little new version in my intro of a Casey Chats in a way. So I figured it'd be nice to to kind of share all of the updates within my business and then even personal. To be honest, I feel like I haven't had much of a personal life the past like month or two <laughs> because Things have just been really busy within my business. Uh, My boyfriend is also studying for this really hard test. Um, He's in finance, so he is currently studying for his CFP, and he is taking that in a couple weeks. So he has been really busy studying. I have been really busy working, so we haven't had much of a personal life. But this month, more fun things are going to be coming personally, so I'm pretty pumped about it. Um, My birthday is Friday of this week. Oh my God. I can't believe it. I still feel like it's a month or two away. So I am going to be 31. I don't know how. Like I still feel like I'm 25. So I think that matters, right? How you feel is important. Uh, Maybe like 27. I'll give it like 27. But anyway, I can't believe I'm going to be 31. It's fine. Everything's fine. But um, oh wait, did I say Friday? I'm not. It's not Friday. It's Saturday is my birthday. But 
<laughs> I am taking Friday off. So I think that's why it feels like my birthday. Um, I'm taking Friday off and which I never take days off during the week. I am so strict with myself. I think it's because of my corporate experience working in corporate nine to fives. I literally have so much guilt with taking a day off during the week. And I know I need to get over that and be able to do it, especially when I have photo shoots on weekends. But I decided I love birthdays. I think they're really important and everybody deserves to have their own special day. I have said this so many times. If you listened to my episode last year for my 30th birthday, I probably talked about this, but I think everybody deserves to have their own special day once a year at least. (laughs) And so I'm treating myself. I'm taking Friday off. I am getting a massage. Oh my God. I love massages. Literally, if I could have a subscription to have a massage once a month, I would love the person that gave me that subscription (laughs) forever. Literally. I love massages. I feel like I always need them too because first of all, I have terrible posture. My back always hurts. With my job like doing photo shoots, my back hurts after almost every photo shoot, especially longer photo shoots. My back kills me. So It takes a lot out and especially if you're doing a photo shoot and you need to carry your heavy backpack the whole time too. Like I would love to have it once a month, but I'm treating myself to a massage on Friday and then I'm getting my hair done and getting my hair done. I'm doing like a full highlight. So it takes like four, maybe five hours. So literally it's a whole day process. So I decided if I was going to get my hair done, why not get a massage with my favorite lady who's only 10 minutes away? Happy birthday to me. (laughs) So that's how I'm treating myself for my birthday. Then this weekend, I'm spending time with family and friends. So I'm super excited about that. That's all I ever really want is to spend time with people. I really realized this past two years with the pandemic how much quality time is a love language of mine. It really is. I used to, well, you know, I feel like I have like a tie or like a, I don't know what a triple tie would be, (laughs) but I feel like there's a lot of first place ones. Um, But quality time is way higher than I ever thought it was in the past. And COVID has made me realize that. So literally for my birthday, I don't really care about presents. I'm like, you don't need to, I honestly, you don't need to give me a present. I just love being with people, love being surrounded by them. Give me all the people, give me all the hugs. You know, there's another love language, physical touch. I know that's a pretty high one up there too. I love hugs. So just give me your time and that's all I really need. So I'm really excited about that. And I haven't spent, I haven't celebrated my birthday with my family in two years, in the past two years since 2019 because of COVID, because of my birthday being in March 2020, it literally, we got shut down like the week after my birthday. So, and I think that's when I was supposed to like celebrate with my family. I luckily just snuck in there celebrating with my friends, but my family, I did not. And then last year, again, it was still like pretty bad this time. So I didn't celebrate with them either. So I'm excited to do that with all my nieces and nephews and my family brother and sister and my parents. So that will be fun. So anyway, yeah, my birthday, just, just want to be with people another year older, another year wiser, right? That's what they say. Um, again, 
don't feel that old, so I'm just going to go with it. Just celebrate. Just want to be with people. Pretty excited about that. Um, Another personal note, I am going to Vegas at the end of the month with some friends. I have been there before. It's not my first time, but my boyfriend has not been there. So I kind of just can't wait to see how he's going to react. Like he's going to love it. I know it. Like he's going to have such a ball. So that's going to be a lot of fun. I'll probably get on here and talk about that again at some point, but at least, you know, some fun is happening in my life again, besides just working, which is fun also, but you need to step away from the work every once in a while. So otherwise, before this episode is super long, because I didn't realize how much I really wanted to talk to you guys on here, and I could just keep going, let's get to the section here where I like to end this little part talking about something inspirational, motivational, encouraging, or empowering. And so I felt the need to do, to, to share with you, to really just, you know, do the thing for you, whatever it is. You know, before I was talking about boudoir and how I love doing boudoir sessions for women who are doing it for themselves, right? Doesn't necessarily need to be for someone else, but for doing it for themselves. And there's so many women who have reached out to me and they're saying, you know, I would love to do this. I just need to get to this point in, in my life or in my body. And you know what? Just do it. Just do it for you. You look amazing. You are amazing. It's such an empowering experience. You're going to love it. Trust me, just do it. Whether it's that or like myself, booking a day to just, you know, relax get a massage, get my hair done, doing it for myself. So often as women, we tend to do everything for everyone else and we put ourselves on the back burner. So if there's something that's really intriguing you or something that you've been dying to do or really want to do, maybe it's that, you know, new exercise class, but you're like a little nervous, a little intimidated to go in because you don't know what you're doing. Just do it. Just do it for you. You're going to feel amazing. And that is so important to take care of yourself also. So that is my little piece of advice today. Otherwise, this episode is totally needed for all entrepreneurs. So excited about it. So helpful. So you know what? Let's just get to it. Today on Inspired by Her Story is Jessica Blassingame. Jessica is a certified public accountant, small business consultant, and the founder and CEO of Beam Financial Group. She supports creative service providers to feel more connected to their business finances through one-on-one coaching and digital courses. She has worked with 150 plus clients across several industries and specializes in supporting clients via QuickBooks Online. During today's episode, Jessica talks more about how she uses her wellness experience when working with her clients. I use a lot of the philosophy when I'm speaking with my clients because when you're looking at finances, it's just like anything else, right? Like if you if you want to change someone's diet, you need to look at their whole lifestyle and everything that plays into why their diet is that way. Same thing with your finances. Like there are reasons where why someone's financial setup is the way it is. What counts as a business write-off? 
I'll talk about some ones that I think get missed a lot, and that is within the home office expense. So a lot of us are working from home now. It's not available for employees, but as a business owner, you can qualify for home office deduction. And there's there's a lot of expenses that can be included in the calculation. So what I usually tell business owners to do is have a spreadsheet, be putting all of these you know expenses on a spreadsheet, even if you're not sure if they qualify and then give it to a tax professional when you go to file your taxes and have them help. Um, because there is a little nuance with like what's included and what's not, but I always just say like, give them the master list. And how to pay yourself within your business. So if you are um, a sole proprietor, a partnership, or an LLC, one of the default structures, so you haven't elected to be an S or a C Corp. If you're one of those structures, and we call it a pass-through entity, um, then you pay yourself with an owner's draw. So that just means that you will transfer money from your business to your personal account. And that's considered a distribution of equity. You're not running payroll, you know, nothing complicated. You're just drawing money out of the business to pay yourself. Let's hear more about her journey. Welcome to the podcast, Jessica. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you on. First of all, I think your journey is amazing to share, especially when there's so many transformations. I think that's really important to share to people because it could be a little scary and intimidating if somebody else is considering these options also. But then also with what you're currently doing, I have so many questions for you and I know it's going to be so helpful for small business owners. So I'm really excited to dig in today. Um, and so let's just begin first with sharing, you know, who you are and what you do. Yeah. Um, so thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And I think we're going to talk about a lot of good information. Mm -hmm. um, I, my name is Jessica Blassengame, and I'm the founder of Beam Financial Group, and I'm also a CPA. And I work with creative service providers to kind of help them feel more connected to their finances. And we do that through a variety of ways. Um, we work one-on-one -on -one with our clients and that can be through various stages of their business. You know, Sometimes we're helping with just the initial setup and all the questions that arise out of setting up a small business. Sometimes we're helping set up QuickBooks Online and getting you know, systems and processes put in place. Other times we're tweaking processes that are already in place, like we're helping them go through their books and make sure everything looks good for tax time. So there's a lot of different stages in which we work with business owners to support them. Yeah, that's awesome. And I'm excited because we have a lot of questions regarding all of that later that we're going to get into today too. Awesome. <laughs> Very and cool. so before we get into all of that, I'd love if you can share a little bit more about your journey and how it is that you got to where you are today. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I've had a long journey um, and, you know, the universe takes you in a lot of different ways. So <laughs> it's always mm -hmm. fun to see where it goes. Um, but I, I'd say I started my sort of career journey in corporate accounting. So I worked for a large um, big four accounting firm doing audit and then I went on to work for a large utility company and I was doing, you know, accounting research and financial planning and things like that. And I was just really unhappy there. I didn't like the work. I didn't feel like I was affecting any change whatsoever or, you know, helping anyone really. I just felt sort of stifled. And um, at the same time, I started to have some health issues just as a result of stress and, and not taking proper care of myself and things like that. So I was kind of miserable and wanting a way out. And so at that point, I, I was really interested in alternative healing and health. So I started um, researching this nutrition program and 
decided to take this program while I was working my full-time job. So I was learning about nutrition um, in a way to heal my body, but also maybe as a career option. So um, I was doing that part-time and then I started talking with other people that were in the industry and realizing like, hey, maybe I could do this full-time for a living and um, maybe let me just start taking some clients and see how that goes. Um, so when I finished the nutrition program, I was taking clients just after work, you know, getting home and working with these clients. And I was super energized by that work. And it's just like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm lighting up from this and this is where I want to be. So let me just figure out a way to do this full time. So I started, you know, putting some things in place, savings and things like that. And eventually I was just so miserable in the corporate world that I was like, I'm going to do this. Um, I have no other choice. You know, this is the best thing for me. So I made the leap and was working with, you know, one-on-one with health, health coaching clients. And then I sort of expanded that business. So I went back into the corporate world, but was doing wellness programs. And then I got my yoga teacher training certification. So I was teaching yoga in some of the tech startups in San Francisco. And it was great. Like I was, you know, really happy doing the work and chugging along and, you know, happy as a clam. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I started meeting more business professionals or, you know, small business owners that were in the wellness space and they would hear about my background and they would be like, oh, wait, you're an accountant. Like, let me ask you questions. You know, let me ask you a tax question or can you help me set up my books? And, um, and that started happening over and over. And so call it a sign from the universe or whatever. It was like, oh, maybe I could be doing this. Um, maybe I could be supporting these people. So it just kind of started there. It was like, let me look into QuickBooks. You know, small business accounting is different than corporate accounting. So mm-hmm. let me kind of beef up my skills and, you know, let me learn some of the systems that small business owners are using. So I spent a lot of time doing that and then started taking some clients. And once I sort of switched that direction, um, the business grew organically. So if, you know, if you think of it in a woo-woo way, it's like um, I was in the right place. So things just started flowing. I kind of felt like that was my purpose. So um, it was just a lot easier for me to grow that business than it was the health business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved it. You know, it was like, it was totally different than the corporate world. It was still accounting, but for small business owners, helping them run their businesses. Um, so I was, I was just felt like I was on the right path. And then I've been doing that for seven years. So <laughs> it's been growing from there. Awesome. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love how you mentioned about kind of, you know, it, it was flowing. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of like a sign and yeah. it's, you know, I love how one thing can lead to another. It's like, you got this inspiration to, first of all, you know, you were starting to feel stress, anxiety, you know, you needed some extra help with maybe your health. Um, so it was like, that was kind of like the first sign. Right. And yeah. then it was to get into yoga meditation, the wellness industry. And then from there, once you were in there, also realizing, wait, I don't necessarily need to just do this, but maybe I can also help others with small business accounting, uh, maybe, you know, get away from corporate accounting Cause it's not like you didn't enjoy what you were doing. I'm sure you, you love accounting, right? So it was yeah. being able to find like the mix of the two together. Um, yes. and actually that leads me to my next question, because I'm curious to know, Now, now that you have your own small business, Mm -hmm. do you ever find yourself using the tools that you learned during your wellness experience while being a small business owner? Like, do you feel like it kind of helps you 
handle it all, I guess you'd say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like it, it does in a variety of ways. One way is just through self-growth, right? Like I'm sure, you know, as a business owner, there's a lot of self-growth, right? There's a lot mm-hmm. of self-doubt that sneaks in. There's a, there's a lot of challenges you have to deal with sometimes by yourself. Um, so I feel like I accessed a lot of the, you know, the yoga philosophy and, and a lot of the wellness, you know, holistic ideas, um, and just sort of supporting myself, you know, cause a, a lot of times you, you hear the self-doubt come in, you feel like you can't do it. Um, so you really have to be strong in supporting yourself. Um, you know, giving yourself a lot of positive affirmation and changing your mindset. Um, so I used a lot of those tools for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I also support, I feel like I use a lot of the philosophy when I'm speaking with my clients, because when you're looking at finances, it's just like anything else, right? Like if you, if you want to change someone's diet, you need to look at their whole lifestyle and everything that plays into why their diet is that way. Same thing with your finances. Like there are reasons where, why someone's financial setup is the way it is. You know, sometimes there's fears around the finances or there's just sort of a disconnection or, um, stories that they're telling themselves, maybe from their childhood or who knows, right? Um, So sometimes it's just really nice to take a holistic look at the business owner um, and see what's playing into why their finances are the way they are and how can we work with that and affect change, you know? So I think that, you know, that philosophy from my background has really helped with that. Yeah. I was curious as to if that, you know, got kind of sprinkled in there as well, because I feel like that's something that's really important because, you know, money, I feel like in the entrepreneurial world, you hear so much about money mindset, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes, um, or I would say a lot of times people tend to struggle with that also. Yeah. And so I feel like by being a small business accountant too, it's so helpful to have somebody who understands like that side of it as well, because I'm sure you can also help put people at ease a little bit more, um, rather than maybe your, your typical accountant, I would say, because it can be so intimidating. Also just like opening your books up to somebody else and be like, here you go. It's very vulnerable, right? Like this is everything, Mm -hmm. (laughs) all my spending habits, everything. Yeah, it is. It's, it's very vulnerable. Yeah. And you mentioned about, you know, like confidence and self-doubt. I feel like it's so easy to just kind of you don't want somebody else to see like a, a nervous side to you or, you know, like being vulnerable or maybe looking, feeling like you might look like a failure to them because now you're getting to see something that not everybody else gets to see. And even if that doesn't necessarily mean that you are failing, but maybe to yourself, you don't feel like you're doing as well as you hope to, to also open that up to somebody else and be like, here you go. Okay. You can see this also. It's nerve wracking. Yeah. And a lot of times when my clients come to me, they're already like kind of explaining the state of thing. Oh, well, you know, I was really busy and like, Mm -hmm. you know, I know I'm doing a bad job and I'm always just like, you know what? No shame in any of it. It happened because I'm sure there were a million good reasons why it is the way it is, but you're taking the step to change Mm -hmm. it. And that's awesome. You know? Exactly. I think that's important to remember, right? It's like asking for help is that first step to also improving too, if that's something that you need. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I love that. And I'm also curious because I remember you mentioned, I believe, did you say that your dad is also a CPA? He is. Yep. And he works with small businesses. Okay. Cause I was going to, I love asking the question too, on if you feel like you know, if you ever thought that you would open your up your own small business, or if you feel like that was something that 
maybe was out of your comfort zone or if you felt like, no, this is totally something I will do one day? Yeah, I think growing up with two, both of my parents are entrepreneurs and growing up with that, I think I always had in the back of my head that I would eventually open a business because, mm-hmm. you know, I saw that as my model. Um, and I, I loved the idea of just having control of it and it being your own thing. And, you know, I, so I always, I never knew exactly how I would get there or what I would specialize in, but I always had this idea of like, yeah, I do. I want to run my own business Mm -hmm. like my parents, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Especially to have kind of like role models with it too. I'm sure is a little bit more helpful for taking that first step. (laughs) Yeah. I think that eliminated some of my fear because I do see some people that they really want to start a business, but they just don't have a model for it. They haven't really seen it. And maybe their parents worked, you know, at the same company for 40 years, which is great too. Um, but they didn't really see like this sort of, you know, risky side of things and they're, and they're just have a lot of fear around it. So mm-hmm. I, I think that made it easier for me. That's not to say that anybody can't do it. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, definitely. There's definitely the other mentors and role models and coaches yes. and everybody else that can also help kind of guide you in that direction also, which is helpful. Yes, absolutely. And so now I ended up asking my Instagram audience, you know, if they had any sort of questions, because most of my audience are small business owners as well. Um, And so I opened it up to them and I received great feedback. And then I also have my own questions. So today we're going to kind of handle a little bit differently for the episode and just ask a bunch of questions that will be super helpful for small business owners with all of their accounting, bookkeeping, processes and everything. Great. Um, so the first question I'd love to ask you, um, is what is it like just in the first place of working with a small business accountant? Like how is the process really, do you keep in touch the whole year? Are there only certain times that you kind of touch base? Like how does that all work? Yeah. So there's sort of different types of, you know, accounting or finance professionals you can work with. Um, what we do is we're, we're basically consultants and then we, we offer courses as well. So if people want to DIY, we have courses for that. Mm -hmm. Um, but we're working, you know, our clients work with us in different ways. Sometimes they'll, you know, be working on their own for a while and then they'll pop in and want to do a session and we'll hop into their books and maybe answer some questions or they have some tax questions or there's like a new thing that popped up. Like I have a PPP loan. How do I handle Mm -hmm. that? Um, so we sort of work like as needed, uh, with a lot of our clients and, and that works really well. Um, but you know, some there, we have also been a bookkeeping company in the past. We're not doing that anymore, but, um, you know, a bookkeeper will be with you all the time. They're checking in with you monthly. Um, but you know, you may need that. You may not. And, you know, we're there to support you whenever you need it. Mm-hmm. That's, I feel yeah. like that's definitely good to know. Cause I'm sure some people question like, is it okay if I email them this question I have, or am I supposed to save them all and like have one giant call with them? Or like, how does that work? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We usually we'll answer like five minute questions over email. And then if it's a longer thing, we'll just be like, you know, schedule a session and we'll, we'll chat through it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah. Perfect. That makes sense. Um, and then another question we have is when is the best time to get into like a bookkeeping or accounting softwares? Yeah. So I, I mean, I know I'm a little biased because I work, you know, I promote QuickBooks online, but I always sort of recommend sooner rather than later. And here are the reasons for that. Um, first of all, it's good to set up an accounting system when you're small, 
because you don't have a lot of transactions. You can really get to know the software. It doesn't get overwhelming, you know, so you can set up your, all your processes in place. And then as you grow, it's growing with you. So that's one reason. Another reason is just, there's some really good, especially now in QuickBooks, there's some really good automation features. So you can have all your transactions automatically feeding in. You can even set up different settings so that it, the software will categorize them for you. So if you're really good with the setup, you could come into your QuickBooks and like most of the work is done for you. And you're just like overseeing it, saying accept, and then you've got your reports. Mm -hmm. So I like for people to get in it soon. Um, I think Excel is great for tracking finances and that works for a lot of people, but I think there are a lot of time saving things that happen in, in an accounting software. Mm -hmm. That makes sense, especially yeah. before you almost get so large to a point where it's overwhelming to kind of take yes. on something new, right? And like make sure everything is connected properly and having to accept certain transactions and yeah. that whole thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's good for business owners to understand. I mean, there, there is a lot of, there are accounting principles that play in when you're tracking your finances. And if you don't, if you aren't aware of them, you might start doing your books the wrong way. And then you have to go back and fix them later, which is always a mess. Mm -hmm. um, so if you can just get a little training up front and kind of understand like, you know, how do I pay myself and how do I treat that transaction? Like some of those type topics, um, mm -hmm. then you're really eliminating a lot of suffering later. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that's, that's kind of why I say, you know, get a little support in the beginning. Yeah, definitely. And because I feel like, you know, there's certain things within your business that you tend to put on the back burner, right? You're just yes. like, Oh, I'll get to it when I get to it. But if you yes. know that something's already working in the background, then it's helpful. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, you know, I, I see a lot of business owners that, they want to get a loan or they want to buy a house or, you know, they need financials in some way. And then they, you know, they'll come to me in sort of a panic because they're like, either they haven't updated their books or they don't even have books, you know, mm -hmm. and, and they're like, I need to get these reports to my lender like today. And that's just, you know, it's a really stressful. So you may not know what you're going to do over the next couple of years. Something might pop up that you want to take advantage of. So if you already have the system in place, like you're going to be like, yeah, I'll pop those reports out of QuickBooks and send them right over, you know? Mm -hmm. So right. it gives you a lot of comfort. <laughs> mm -hmm. Exactly. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so what are some major business expenses that small business owners should make sure that they use as a write-off? Yes. Um, there's, there's a lot. Um, I'll talk about some ones that I think it missed a lot and that is within the home office expense. So mm -hmm. a lot of us are working from home now. It's not available for employees, but as a business owner, you can qualify for home office deduction. And there's, there's a lot of expenses that can be included in the calculation. So what I usually tell business owners to do is have a spreadsheet, be putting all of these you know, expenses on a spreadsheet, even if you're not sure if they qualify and then give it to a tax professional when you can go to file your taxes and have them help. Um, because there is a little nuance with like what's included and what's not, but I always just say like, give them the master list. Um, but I'll talk through some common expenses because I think there are some that people don't know about and they don't get included on the list. So if you're renting your home, um, you can include rent, of course, you can include renter's insurance, any utilities, um, any repairs and maintenance that relate to the office space, um, cleaning costs, like if you have someone come in and clean your home, that a portion of that can be deducted. So, um, and then if you own your home, there's a lot. You can take a, some depreciation on your home. You can take mortgage interest, property taxes in most cases. 
Um, so you want to be giving information related to the purchase of your home to your accountants. You know, how much did you pay for your home? What's your mortgage interest like? They can include all of that in the calculation. Um, it's not like all of it's deducted, but there's a percentage that you can take as a deduction. So of course, the more you include, the bigger your deduction can be. And it can be pretty sizable for people that have a big home office and, you know, they maybe live in a big space and, mm -hmm. you know, you should, you should get that because you're not paying for office rent. You're, mm -hmm. you're using this. So um, right. that's definitely one area that gets neglected. Mm -hmm. um, let's see um, assets. So I want to talk about asset purchases because um, right now in this year, if you buy a large asset, so let's say you're buying like a large camera or some sort of big equipment, it's typically something over $2,500. Mm -hmm. um, in this year, there's a bonus depreciation rule, which allows you to deduct 100% of that cost. So typically when you buy an asset, you have to depreciate it, meaning you spread the cost over the several years, the lifespan of the asset. Mm -hmm. But now because of the, you know, the recent tax legislation, you can take 100%. So this is a really good time, especially this year. So I think it expires January 1st, 2023, or it starts to phase out. So this is the last year that you can take advantage of this. So if you're thinking about buying a larger asset for your business, this is a good time to do it in this year. Mm -hmm. And don't buy it unnecessarily, of course, but like if you're you know, thinking maybe I need to get this, you know, I need to replace something, this would be a good time to take advantage of that extra deduction. Yeah, actually, when we talked last time, I was telling you how I was purchasing a new laptop and you were yeah. like, oh, that's perfect. <laughs> yes, that is perfect. Yep. Great timing. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Good. I'm so glad I made the step. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and then, you know, health insurance premiums are another area that I think sometimes people are confused about. Um, if you're an LLC, a sole proprietor or a partnership, your health insurance premiums are deductible, but on your personal return. So just, it's not a business deduction, but you still do get a deduction. So just give all the information for any health insurance premiums you've paid to your tax accountant, because you do want to take that deduction. Um, if you're an S corp, um, your health insurance premiums and your retirement contributions can be deducted through the business if the plans are under the business name. So that's something that I think is commonly confusing. Um, so if you're an S-Corp, that's a nice little deduction that you can take. Mm -hmm. um, so make sure you, you put that through the business. Yeah. Um, also, um, travel related to your car, I think, is another area that's a little confusing. So there's kind of two ways to deduct your vehicle expenses if you're using it for work. Um, if you're using it less than 50% of the time, you'll probably take the mileage rate, which just means you need to track all your mileage and then you'll multiply it by the IRS mileage rate. And that's your deduction. Mm -hmm. um, if you're using your car more than 50% of the time, you might be using the, um, the actual expenses method. So that means you can take all sorts of expenses related to your car. You get depreciation, you can deduct gas, even repairs on the car, or like if you go to the DMV, you know, any sort of expenses related to the car. So it's a little confusing which method you should use um, to chat with the tax professional, but know that you need to be tracking either your mileage or all the expenses related to your car, because that could be a big deduction mm -hmm. for you. Yeah, definitely. That's something that I always try to remember. I'm always keeping track of both like That's gas, great. you know, putting it on my business credit card and then, you know, keeping track of that expense. And then also for my mileage too, for the entire year. And then usually 
my accountant just figures it out. (laughs) Like I have both here. I'm not sure which one is the method to go with, but here you go. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's the most important thing because tax accountants, they're busy. They're not always going to say, you need to give me this, 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 did you have this scenario? You know, Mm -hmm. they're not asking you all those questions often. Mm -hmm. Um, So I always like my clients to give as much information as you can and let them know these scenarios and they can, they then know to sort through it. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you don't give them the information, oftentimes the deduction just gets missed. So, Mm -hmm. and now, so is work done on your car, can that also be an expense too? So if you yes. do have repairs, you're and using the actual so? expense method, then yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Should, you should track that. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Yep, and then absolutely. I have one other question too, in regards to your home office. So this is actually my first year or like, well, like last year, um, was my first year having a home office. Yeah. So for taxes this year will be the first time that I have to actually claim that. So, and I know you mentioned that it's like a portion of your rent, right? Like I think when I looked it up, it's, does, does it go off of like square footage of the actual office space? Is that how it works? Yeah. So you're basically calculating a percentage. So you take the square footage of your office. So let's say it was 200 square feet. Mm -hmm. And then you take the square footage of your total home space. Let's say that's 1500 square feet. And you would divide 200 by 1500 and that gives you a percentage. And then you apply that percentage against the eligible expenses. So that's, that's one method for calculating it. There's also a simplified method, which is where you just, um, you just take sort of an automatic deduction. Um, I usually recommend that you try the, the, do the full calculation because you can usually get more, um, more of a deduction if you do the calculation than the simplified method. Gotcha. So is it that same method with the calculation for utilities wise too? Yeah. So you're basically pooling all of your expenses, Mm. you know, you're totaling them up and then you're applying that percentage. So whether it's rent or utilities or repairs and maintenance, that's all going into one bucket and then you're applying the percentage against that bucket Mm -hmm. and that's your total deduction. Okay. And then one other thing for office space, what about furniture that you put into your office? Is that an expense? Yeah. Um, furniture can usually just go directly against the business. Um, check with your accountant because you know, there's a little bit of nuance there, but typically they'll put furniture purchases for the office just directly in as a business deduction. So Mm -hmm. that way you get a little bit more of a deduction than Typically, you know, your home off space usually right. is a smaller percentage. So mm-hmm. exactly. yeah, I would say include that in your, in your bookkeeping, your normal mm-hmm. bookkeeping. Okay. Perfect. Awesome. That's all good to know. Cause it's, it's funny how there's, when it comes to write-offs, I've noticed that, you know, you'll think that you have it all down. You're like, yeah, this makes sense. And then you'll have a one-off thing that happens and you're like, is this a business expense? <laughs> I'm not really sure. Like, for example, I'm a photographer. So yeah. I know that things that, you know, maybe I'm doing, um, you know, obviously my camera equipment, my software, things like that are write-offs. Mm-hmm. But um, when it comes to me doing a photo shoot, there's questions that I come across often of, does this count or does it not? Because I've been told in the past, say wardrobe, maybe I went shopping for new outfits for my photo shoot. Mm -hmm. And I've been told that, um, it only counts as a write-off if maybe you're like renting the, you know, how there's certain subscription packages and things like that, um, for clothes. Mm -hmm. I think I've heard if you rent the clothes and then give it back, that will be an expense, but not if you purchase clothes and keep them, it's not a write-off. Right. So it's those little things that tend to happen. I'm like, 
wait a second, this is where yeah. I get confused. <laughs> and I think one way to kind of think about it is like, does it truly relate to the business or is it somewhat personal in nature? Mm-hmm. Like, I, for example, I have a lot of, um, I had a lot of clients that were doing like food blogging. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they would buy a bunch of groceries and they would, you know, make a recipe for their blog and then eat the leftovers. Um, so there's not like a clear guidance for that, but what I would say is like, we'll kind of think about the percentages. So maybe like half of it is related to your blog post, but then you're also eating it for sustenance and that's personal. So mm-hmm. I think it would be conservative to take a 50% deduction there. Mm-hmm. And then 50% is considered personal. So I think that kind of guides like the clothing, like if you're, you're buying it for a photo shoot, but you're keeping it and you're wearing it all the time, then, mm-hmm. you know, that's not really, maybe you could take a small percentage for business, but really it's personal, but if you're renting it for the shoot, like it's specific to the shoot, you needed it for that shoot and that's business, you know, mm-hmm. you're promoting your business. So that's sort of a way to guide, like how you decide. Mm-hmm. I think that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually talking about this, maybe this will be my last question for write-offs. <laughs> sure. Um, but I also am wondering about travel, So there's Mm -hmm. different ways, like different situations for business owners for having to travel, right? So maybe it's a conference that they're going to or something, maybe for myself, if it's, um, a photo shoot, maybe I'm having, maybe somebody has me come out to them to travel, um, to do a photo shoot or what, like, are there situations kind of outside of that where it is a business, you know, maybe there's yeah. some business activity that's going on too. I feel like that can get a little confusing for some people. Yeah. Yeah. I think again, you have to think about business versus personal. So if you're mm-hmm. going to a business conference, like that's all deductible, that's like for your business, you're, you know, you're learning related to your business. Everything around that is a business deduction. If you're going to a conference and then you're going to stay a couple of days behind, say in Portland and travel around and, you know, personally you'll be there then the part where you're there for business is deductible. You just need to take out the portion that's Mm. personal in nature. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think you just kind of have to think like, you know, what is the portion related to my business? Like you go out to see a site for your business, you know, you're scouting Mm -hmm. a site that's all all totally deductible. Mm -hmm. But then if you're then staying behind, you know, and doing other stuff for yourself, Mm -hmm. then just take that out, but make sure you take the business portion. Um, And, you know, I think the IRS usually just wants to see that you put some thought in it and you, maybe you're going to use a percentage, like Mm -hmm. 60% of that was business related and 40% was personal. And, you know, you've, you sort of thought that through and done the math. And I think they'll Mm -hmm. usually accept that. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. That makes sense. Thank you for clarifying all of that too. I know write-offs can be such a confusing thing for some people. So it's good to kind of have a a little bit more guidance there. Sure. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It is confusing. (laughs) Right. I'm sure you get asked some questions where maybe even you have to think yourself and be like, wait a second, let me have a minute. (laughs) Totally. Yep. There's a lot of gray areas, you know? So (laughs) Mm -hmm. now also, is there any sort of difference between like maybe different States or not so much like that doesn't matter? There can be differences between states for state tax. So if you're talking about, you know, you have to pay federal income tax. And then if your state has an income tax, you're paying state income tax. It depends on the state if you have that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the state, like I live in California and California is crazy. Like their tax law is very complicated and they have all these different exceptions that federal law does not have. So 
Yes. I mean, usually with basic business deductions, there's not going to be a lot of difference. There may be some differences in like some of the, you know, credits that you get on your personal return or things like that. It might be mm-hmm. a little different, but you know, you can always check in with your state or, you know, with your accountant in that state to see if there's a major difference, but you know, for the most part, it's similar. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Awesome. Yeah. Are you a business owner who's having a hard time attracting your ideal clients? Are you feeling overwhelmed and have no idea where to start when it comes to marketing? Are you tired of taking photos for your business with your cell phone? That's why I put together my brand strategy and photography program. This is for entrepreneurs who are ready to take their brands to the next level while attracting their sole clients. That's right, your sole clients. As a marketer and photographer, I help my clients find clarity within their brand, create strategic messaging, and help them represent their brands in the best light possible. This 12-week program does not just help you build your dream brand, but it also provides you with a whole collection of photos to support your marketing. So what are you waiting for? Let me help you feel confident in yourself and your brand. Head over to CaitlinCasso.com or send me an email at hello at CaitlinCasso.com and we'll get you started. And then another question we have is, when does it make sense for a business to become an S-corp? And maybe even if you could explain what an an S-corp is for those who do not know also. Yes, absolutely. There's so much good stuff to talk about S-corps, and there's a lot of misunderstanding around Mm -hmm. S-corps. So what an S-corp is, it's a tax election. So you would become an LLC first, or maybe you're already an LLC, and then you would make an election to be treated as an S-corp. So that's a tax election. Um, so when you become an S corp, you will pay yourself, you're required to pay yourself a market salary. And I'll talk more about that in a second. You have to pay yourself a market salary and then any additional amounts, any additional profit that the business makes, you can draw out of the business. So a direct draw to yourself. Um, and that's where the tax savings come in. So on the portion that you draw out, not the salary, you are exempt from self-employment tax. So that's why people like to become an S-corp is because you can shelter some of your money from self-employment tax. So the point where it makes sense to be an S-corp is when you're making so much profit that you can comfortably pay yourself a market salary, and then you can also draw more money out of the business and because that's where your tax savings is coming in. If you're not able to cover that market salary yet, Um, it doesn't really make sense to become an S-corp and it's going to be extra administration and fees and things like that. Mm. So let's talk about market salary because this is a very confusing area. Um, I've heard a lot of people will try to say, oh, once once you hit 50,000 in profit or 40,000 in profit, then you can become an S-corp. It's a little more nuanced than that because the IRS wants you to think about your market salary And they're looking at a lot of things, right? Like if you're, let's say a highly credentialed professional, let's say you're a creative director, right? And you've been doing it for 10 years and you're the main person involved in your business. You're bringing in all the clients. And then you say, you know, I'm going to pay myself $40,000 a year. That seems like a a fair market salary. And then I'm going to draw everything else out and have that be exempt from self-employment tax. The IRS is going to say, yeah, I don't think so. You know, like, you're not going to make $40,000 if you go out and do that same work 
for someone else, like they're going to pay you 150,000. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, there's always a range, right? So there's the low end and the high end, and you have some flexibility, but you can't make your market salary so low that nobody, you know, it would just, there's no way that's going to happen, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people try to push it because they're trying to get that max distribution so that they can get the, you know, the most tax savings, but the IRS can audit you. They can come in and say, you know what? I don't, I don't think so. We're going to claw back some of that money, treat it as wages and make you pay self-employment tax on it. So you just want to be prudent about how you choose your market salary. And then the extra money can be drawn out. And that is a great tax savings. So that's what I think is an important clarification to understand with S-Corps. You know, if you're making like Let's say your profit is 100,000 and you're going to pay yourself 60,000. That's that would be a good time to be an escort because that extra 40,000 can be drawn out and exempt from self-employment tax. Mm-hmm. But if you're if you're making say $30,000 a year, can't quite cover that market salary yet, don't become an escort. Do you see what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah, definitely. That makes sense. Yeah. And thank you for the examples also because I mean, I yeah. know for me at least, I I understand things a lot better when there's examples and you're like, oh, okay, now I'm seeing this. So yes. I'm sure that's helpful for everyone else as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Examples are the best. Yeah, definitely. So thank you for clarifying all of that too. I'm sure it'll be helpful for people because I'm sure it's also something that people don't know is an option. So I think yes. it's important to know that that, you know, is an option for maybe either now or in the future. Yeah. And it's always good to have the conversation. If you're sort of like, maybe I'm almost to that point, like talk with a tax professional or an attorney and see like, you know, what do you think? Should it be now? Maybe it's in two years. And there's some other things to think through too. Like with S corps, you know, your retirement contribution is calculated on your salary. So you just want to make sure it's a right fit and letting someone guide you in that process is a good idea. Mm-hmm. Definitely. For sure. I'm, it's very helpful having somebody else give you advice and feedback versus trying to make those decisions on your own too, when it's yes. not your expertise. Yes, definitely. <laughs> yes. And actually, so today I had a question that I told you about um, before we started recording and I had a client ask me for a W-9 and mm-hmm. I've also heard of um, somebody else that I know who had this very similar question as well recently. So I would love if you can talk to maybe even what a W-9 is and, you know, who should be sending them out, who should be receiving them, all of the details for it. Yes. Yeah. That's, this is complicated, but you know, once you know the basic guidance, it's easy. Um, so Basically, as a business owner, you're responsible for sending out 1099s in January. And what a 1099 form is, it's just telling the IRS that you paid someone $600 or more for services. It doesn't relate to product, it's just services. So if you paid anyone in your business, let's say you you had someone design your website and you paid them $1,000, that seems low, but let's just say, for example, you pay them $1,000 they need to get a 1099 from you. You pay them the money, they need to get a 1099 form. In order to fill out that 1099 form, you need a W-9 from them. All a W-9 is, is it's got their tax information on it. So it has their business name, you know, what they use for tax purposes. It has their business structure and it has their tax ID number and they've signed it. Mm-hmm. So in order for you to complete the 1099s, you need those W-9s. So what I to walk business owners through the process, I say, you know, look, maybe you have an Excel spreadsheet or your QuickBooks or whatever it is, look through and see who you've paid money to. 
Is there anyone you've paid for services? That's the first place to start. Have you paid anyone over $600? That would be sort of your starting list. And then there's some exceptions. Um, so if you've paid someone with a credit card or through PayPal, you don't have to send them a 1099. Um, also, if they're a corporation, you don't have to send them a 1099 um, with the exception of legal firms. That's the only exception to that. So um, you can start with your master list, you know, services, $600, and then start to pull out people like, oh, well, I paid them with credit cards. So they're exempt. I paid them through PayPal exempt. That's a corporation or if they're outside doing their work outside of the U.S., take them out. And then you have your list. So once you have this list, go and get W-9 forms from each one of those people. And then you will have to file the 1099s. And there are a lot of just um, electronic services like Intuit has one. And you'll just have to plug in the information from the W-9 and it will send it both to the IRS and to your vendor. So this process is actually the deadline, especially if you're electronically filing is the 27th of January, at least through QuickBooks. Um, so you need to do it pretty soon. <laughs> um, if you're worried, obviously you may not make that deadline. If you're starting right now, um, do it anyway. Even if it's a little late, you know, the IRS is pretty busy right now. They're probably not going to come after you for being a few days late. So go ahead and do the process. They just want to know that you've paid someone. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so if it was something under $600, then do you not have to do that? You don't have to get it. You don't mm-hmm. have to issue a 1099. Interesting. But okay. A good way to set yourself up going forward is anytime you work with someone that you're going to pay for services, just get a W-9 form um, just to have it, you know, Mm -hmm. if you think you might pay them over $600, um, that way you've already collected all of them. And then when you need to, you know, prepare your 1099s, it's like, okay, I've already got it, type it in, good to go. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of a good process to set up. Okay. Awesome. So that's good to know. Um, It's so funny how that question, that literally got sent to me this morning, that email. And I was like, Oh, perfect timing because I have a podcast interview and I can find out more about this. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think a lot of business owners don't even like, how would you know, you know, you don't get a manual for being a small business owner. And then it just sort of, Mm -hmm. somebody mentions it in passing and you're like, Oh, maybe I need to look into this. So exactly. Like we were just talking about before we started recording, I was telling you how, you know, I wish there was just a course on how to start your own small business and have literally everything that, you know, just pops up at times and you're like, Oh, I'm supposed to do this or like, you know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There's so many things that happen. (laughs) Yes. And so now my next question is what does it, or sorry, when does it make sense to start paying quarterly tax payments? And if you could explain that too, in case if someone hasn't been making those steps. Yes. So quarterly estimated tax payments. So the IRS is on a pay as you go system. So if you're an employee of a company, they're withholding taxes from each paycheck, right? So they're automatically transferring money from you to the IRS. You're good. Mm -hmm. When you're a business owner, you're responsible for that yourself. Um, So they want you to pay your taxes throughout the year. Um, The point at which you do this is if you expect to make a let me explain this better. If you expect to pay $1,000 in tax liability at the end of the year, then you need to be making estimated tax payments. That's the guidance that they set out. So, and that's not $1,000 in income or profit. That's the tax liability. So you would have to be paying the IRS $1,000 or expecting to. Mm -hmm. At that point, you should start making estimated tax payments. So that's a pretty low. Yeah. 
low bar, right? So if you have any doubt whatsoever, just start making the estimated tax payments. It's not going to hurt you in any way if you make them early, but you do want to be in compliance because you can have penalties if you're not making those payments as you go. Mm -hmm. um, so if you know if you decided you are going to start making the estimated tax payments, um, you just what I like for people to do is just look at their profit each month and take um, can be 25 to 30% of that profit and funnel that into a savings account. And then when your estimated tax payment hits, you've already got the money collected. You just need to pay it. You can pay it electronically to the IRS. Um, so that's an easy way to just make sure you're kind of collecting it as you go and you don't have a surprise when you go to pay your tax bill. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. That's what I do, which makes it so much easier than when all of a sudden, you know, you have this big payment due and you're like, Oh no, I haven't yeah. been putting that to the side. It, it's yeah, like you, psychologically it's stressful, right? Like, yeah. Where am I going to get that money from? You know? <laughs> exactly. So it's yeah. like, I just pretend that savings account like isn't there <laughs> for yes. me to take out of until yeah. that moment. Yes. It's <laughs> so not helpful. your money. You're just, uh, you know, you're just passing it through. <laughs> mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And it's such an easy process to, um, just making the payments online and everything yeah. through the IRS. Yes. Um, just in case if somebody were to be wondering, say if they overpaid, you know, they, they put more in than they actually needed to, do they receive that money back? Um, how yes. does that work? Yeah. If you overpay, then you can get a refund at the end of the year. You want to be a little careful about this. This is where it gets frustrating, but you don't want to underpay too much. And you don't want to overpay too much because in either scenario, you can be penalized. It sometimes is hard, right? Because you mm. don't know exactly what you're going to end up owing at the end of the year. Um, so you do your best, but you, you don't want to just overpay a ton and then, you know, hope to get a big refund at the end of the year. You want to try to dial in as much as you can. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, if you do overpay slightly, no big deal. It will come back to you. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So it's kind of the same idea as when, you know, if you're working for someone else and there's been times where, you know, you get yeah. a, a tax return. They withhold too much and then you get mm -hmm. it back as a refund. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Now this was a big question that people were asking me too, through Instagram is, so how would a business owner start paying themselves? Yeah. So if you are, um, a sole proprietor, a partnership or an LLC, one of the default structures. So you haven't elected to be an S or a C corp. If you're one of those structures and we call it a pass-through entity, um, then you pay yourself with an owner's draw. So that just means that you will transfer money from your business to your personal account. And that's considered a distribution of equity. You're not running payroll, you know, nothing complicated. You're just drawing money out of the business to pay yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and the way you come about the amount that you're going to pay yourself, um, it's a little nuanced. I know I say that a lot, but um, you, you just want to think about a few things. You want to, of course, look at what you've made, what your profit is. Um, you want to look at if there are any major expenses coming down the pipeline, right? Like you're going to make a big purchase. You maybe need to save that money back in the business. Um, and you want to think about your tax liability. So we had talked about setting aside 25 to 30% of your profit. So before you distribute money out, I like for people to have, you know, business savings account, they funnel it over there, and then you can see what the excess is to potentially pay yourself with. Mm -hmm. So those are kind of the three areas I like for people to think about before they distribute money to themselves, because you don't really want to be drawing too much money out of the business and then get in a, a difficult situation later. Right. Definitely. Making sure that you have your ducks in a row too, right. And making sure yes. you're putting that money for your taxes and everything also. And yes. yeah, 
there's a lot of Absolutely. other things to consider at the same time. Yes, <laughs> always. Um, and then let's see. So somebody uh, asked, how much should a business owner pay themselves first holding on to for business expenses and taxes, which I feel like, you yeah, yeah, I've, I've kind of answered that. And an, mm -hmm. another helpful tool is just having a, a financial forecast, even if it's a very simple forecast. So you kind of know, you know, you have a, a little bit of a roadmap for what your year is looking like, you know, what income is coming in, what expenses are coming down the pipeline. And then you can kind of see, you can plug in, you know, I'm going to pay myself this much. And you can see where if you get into a place where you're in a negative position or no, this month, I think I'm going to have like $10,000 extra. Maybe I can draw that out. So having a little bit of a forecast is, is helpful too in figuring out um, how much you're going to pay yourself. Mm -hmm. Definitely. That makes sense. And now let's see, is there, I know you touched on this a little bit for a second. Um, so is there anything that we should know in regards to maybe making larger purchases like a home and yeah. or getting a loan? Yes. Um, I was talking about this on TikTok this week because I was getting this question a lot. I think a lot of people are thinking about buying homes right now because interest rates are about to start hiking up. Um, so as a business owner, they make it a little more challenging for you to prove that you have like, you know, proper income. It's not as easy as just like, here's my page stub. I can prove that I'm getting this money every month. Mm -hmm. um, so there, the banks are a little hard on you as far as proving that. Um, but I like for people to have the information. So typically a lender is going to ask for um, two years worth of tax returns because that's where they're seeing what your business profit is. Um, they're also probably going to ask for some financial statements from your business. So a profit and loss and a balance sheet. And that's another reason I really like people to get in accounting software soon so they can run those reports out of the software. Mm -hmm. um, and they may ask for bank statements just to show like the draws that you've taken mm -hmm. if you're paying yourself through a draw. Um, so it is, you know, a lot of people say, well, does that mean I can't buy a home for two years if I have a business, a new business? Um, possibly. It depends on your lender. Uh, there's also other things they might ask for to help, you know, give them comfort. They could ask for a guarantor on the loan, you know, someone to co-sign with you, or maybe they could ask to see like a large savings account or something like that to give them more comfort. Mm -hmm. um, but they're trying to understand that you're going to be able to make your mortgage payments. So they want to see that your business is healthy and sustainable. So you know, all you can do to prepare is just keep doing what you're doing, have an accounting system, like, you know, and then provide them with, with what they need. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Now, what it does anything change? I'm assuming you still probably have to provide the same documents if you are buying a home with somebody else also mm -hmm. who yeah. is not a business owner. <laughs> yes. They're going to look at both. Um, mm -hmm. So if you have like, say a partner that has a paycheck and, and that's a strong amount of income, then it will matter a little less that maybe your business isn't producing as much income. So they're looking at you and, you know, in total. Mm -hmm. Um, so that definitely helps. Um, yeah. but yeah, that makes sense. And especially right now it's the, you know, the market has been crazy the past couple of yes. years. So I'm sure a lot of people are asking those kind of questions. It's something that you don't really think about until you're in the moment of like, wait, yes hold on my, like everything gets handled a little differently for me. So yeah. how does it work now to buy a home and, you know, know, get a mortgage or get a loan or whatever it yeah. might be? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You don't think about it until the last minute. And lenders are usually like, I need everything in the next two days, like in order mm -hmm. to prove you to go forward. So that's why I try to give the information so people can be putting that set up, you know, in place now. Yeah, exactly. 
And so now the last question I have in regards to everything accounting wise. Um, so how can someone start preparing to pay others? So whether that's, you know, hiring employees mm -hmm. and or contractors. Yeah. So with contractors, like I mentioned, want to try to get a W-9 form from them. And I always say, do that before you pay them because you're like, you know, most likely to get that form before mm, payment, um, have it on file, so then you just don't have to worry about it. So that, you know, paying contractors is a lot easier than paying employees. So basically you just have to have a mechanism for paying them. And I, I really like Gusto. Gusto is a payroll software, but you can pay contractors through it. And the nice thing about Gusto is it automatically files the 1099 for you if you've put the information in. Mm -hmm. So huge time saver if you have a lot of contractors. So yeah, all with a contractor, just have a way to pay them W-9 form and you're pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to have a contract with them, that's that can be helpful too. Um, with employees, there's a little more effort that goes into it. You have to have a payroll processing software. Like I said, Gusto is great. That's my favorite payroll app. It's really easy to use. It's pretty inexpensive. Um, and their customer support is just the most knowledgeable I've ever seen. So Ooh, that's awesome. I like, Always I like helpful. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> I've had a lot of clients that I've asked them questions and they just, they get really detailed with the tax law and they're just, they, they know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. um, so when you go to set up in a payroll software though, it's important to know that from your state, you need to get a couple numbers from them. So you have to set up um, usually with their un unemployment and then there's a withholding number. It, it's different in every state, but you wanna go and um, go into Gusto and kind of look, they'll tell you what you need to get and they usually give you a link, but there's just a couple numbers you have to have to input into the system. Um, from there, it's pretty easy. You can just you know, set, set all your company, company information up and then you'll be getting a W-4 from your employees that, that's you know, where you enter, enter all their information. Um, and then you're pretty good. You can even set up auto payroll and, and different things that make it easier for you to run payroll. But, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the most important is then you get into a really strong um, payroll processing system. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Oh, Thanks. one more thing I'll say, mm -hmm. um, Gusto syncs really well with QuickBooks. So mm -hmm. if you set up Gusto and you want to track all your payroll information, it will sync up with Gusto um, QuickBooks. You just have to customize the settings a little bit and then it will mm -hmm. feed the data in and you won't really have to touch it. So mm -hmm. that's really nice too. Gotcha. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Thank you for sharing all of your, your wealth of knowledge in regarding all accounting for small business owners. I know yeah. so many people were messaging me on Instagram and they were saying how they were looking forward to listening to this because of all oh, the questions good. they were asking too. So it's good. definitely going to be helpful. Good. I'm happy to help. <laughs> yeah. Do you find it hard playing the whole Instagram game? Are you struggling with making sure your profile represents your brand so your audience will take you seriously? Instagram is such a powerful tool when it comes to growing businesses. Not only that, but looking as professional as possible is key as well. That's why I decided to put together the 10 ways to brand your Instagram checklist to help you show your audience how professional you truly are. Once you put this checklist to good use, your Instagram profile, everything from your feed, stories, highlights, pictures, content, links, and more will be on point with your brand along with the content that you post. Click the link in the description to download your free checklist to make sure that your Instagram showcases your brand in the best light possible so you can start attracting your sole clients.
And now I'd love, you know, for every episode to also offer different pieces of advice to small business owners. So if you could give one piece of advice, motivation, or inspiration to someone who is starting their business, what would Mm -hmm. it be? Yeah. Um, I think for me, a big thing I struggled with in the beginning of my business was structure. Um, I didn't have a lot of it. I came from a corporate setting, which was very structured. And when I started my business, I was like, I'm not going to have any structure. I'm going to wing it. Like I'm going to do what I please, you know, and I, I was kind of rebellious about it. Mm -hmm. Um, but now I have learned that having structure really prevents overwhelm. Mm -hmm. Um, so what I do each week is I will have like a master list of the tasks I need to do. Um, and then I will sort of piece it out into my schedule so that I know what I'm working on when, and I have a very clear plan for that. Um, because when I don't, then all this stuff is just looming around. I'm like, oh, I have like 10 clients I need to review and I need to do my marketing and I, da, 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 and I'm just like freaking out. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if I can see like each day I do these tasks and if I finish early, I get to leave, like I get to go do something fun. So for me, that's a lot more motivating than just sort of having this like constant barrage of work and no end in sight and no reward. Um, so that's so been true. really important and it's really improved my productivity. Like mm-hmm. if I stick to that, I I'm, I'm a lot more productive than I was previously where it was like, well, maybe I'll work on my social media today, or maybe I'll like try to get some clients, you know, I, like I needed that structure. Mm-hmm, definitely. <laughs> Especially when there's so many things you can be doing. Like there's yes. just the never ending list of yes, ideas, things to do. Like there's always stuff that I'm like maybe putting on the back burner or mm-hmm. I'm like at, just adding to this list on my phone of, you know, yeah. oh, this was a great idea. Maybe I should do this too. Yes. Um, so it's nice when you do have that structure to be like, okay, I finished the tasks that I wanted to do. And now I can like give myself a break. You feel a little better, right? Like more accomplished. And you also feel okay with the fact that you're taking a break or you're stopping work instead of feeling like you're just supposed to keep going all the time. Yeah. You could go forever. You know, you can always be like improving your business or trying to get a new client or whatever, but Mm -hmm. you have to, you have to stay sane and you have to have boundaries. And that was Mm -hmm. another thing I learned. Like if you don't set up those boundaries, like you're going to burn out and hate your business. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, have space to do other things that you love. Exactly. You don't want to feel like you're dreading something or you're forcing something or anything yes. like that. You want to feel like you are still, you know, remembering your why also of why you've started your business and being like, okay, we are yeah. good now. Like I am ready to go instead of feeling like you just don't stop. <laughs> Very true. Yes. <laughs> And then as you know, a big theme of this podcast is all about getting out of your comfort zone. Mm. So everybody is constantly experiencing moments of getting out of their comfort zones, sometimes something really small, sometimes something really big. So how do you typically get yourself out of your comfort zone? Yeah. So I think I kind of have this feeling that if you, if something confronts you and puts you out of your comfort zone, if you don't address it initially, it will come back again. And that I've sort of just seen that in my own life experiences. Um, so it's like, if you don't tackle it the first time, it will show up again and sometimes worse. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's a little bit of a fear, but I just kind of feel like if I don't take something head on, like it will come back again. So I might as well just do it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I think that sort of motivates me to step outside my comfort zone. I also feel like you can't have true growth if you're not uncomfortable at times. Um, So I just kind of think of it as 
I'm uncomfortable. I'm maybe feeling anxious about this, but it will get me to a better path and I will have more rewards if I, if I, you know, deal with this. Um, Mm -hmm. so I think that that helps to like, you know, yeah, definitely. I love how that's the first time someone's mentioned that, but it's true about how sometimes, you know, it will come back and like, it's not like you're just going to completely forget about it or it's never going to come up again. So that is very true. I like that. It's something to think about. (laughs) Yeah. There's not, there's no shoving anything under the rug. I wish there was sometimes, but you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it'll be back what you resist persists. So yeah, exactly. Oh, I love that. (laughs) And so now before we get into the last segment, which is the fast five segment, is there anything else that you wanted to talk to that maybe we didn't get to today? Um, no, I just want to say like with business owners, just take baby steps to get your finances set up your financial processes. Um, it can be overwhelming and there's a lot to learn, but if you just put, like, if you're setting out your tasks for the week, put a little bit of a financial to do in each week. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just going to make things so much easier for you later. I mean, I have so many clients that come to me that with problems or messes, and I'm always just trying to avoid that for business owners and just giving a little attention to it, you know, little by little is, is huge. Mm-hmm. Definitely yeah. baby steps all the way. I love yes. it. And yeah. instead of feeling overwhelmed, right. It's so easy yes. to feel overwhelmed, feeling like you have to do everything all at once, but yes. baby steps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. And also before um, I forget too, if you can share with everybody on where they can find you also. Yeah, absolutely. My website is beamfinancialgroup.com. I'm on various social media, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, and Facebook, all as Beam Financial Group. Um, And if anybody's interested in a course, we have a discount code. It's just courses 15 and that gives you 15% off of our QuickBooks course. Awesome. Very cool. Thank you for sharing that. Definitely going to have to check that out. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And so now for our fast five segment, I will ask you a question and you could answer with either a word or a phrase that first comes to mind. Okay. All right. So the first question is what helps you find inner confidence? I would say um, positive self-talk, a lot of reinforcement, positive reinforcement. Yeah. Oh, I like that. That's a good one. What or who inspires you? My parents, they're both entrepreneurs and they're so dedicated to their businesses and it's been fun to watch. Yeah, definitely. Oh, I love that. I'm sure they're so proud of you too. Oh, thank you. <laughs> what is a hobby that you have outside of your business? Um, new hobby. I just got some rollerblades. So we live in kind of a little island area and I'm going to start doing that. I I used to do it when I was growing up, but I'm I'm bringing it back. (laughs) I keep seeing that lately with people. I feel like people are coming back out with the rollerblades. Really? Yeah. It's a good workout. Like I put them on this weekend and I was just like using my core and you know, you could just feel it. So Mm -hmm. I think it'll be fun too. So yeah, definitely. Especially anything that could get you outside. It's always nice. (laughs) That's for sure. Yeah. And now as a little kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? I think I wanted to be an actress. I was always really interested in that. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you ever like do anything in with like schools or anything like that, like theater? Yeah, I was in, um, I was in several plays in junior high and I was also in the mime troupe, which I know sounds dorky, but it was cool at my school. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I was in a dance troupe. So I I just really liked performing. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, that's so fun. 
And now you work with creatives, right? Like that's yes. awesome. So yeah, exactly. look at that. All yeah. comes around somehow. <laughs> <Full circle>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And now if you could capture one specific moment that represents your life through photograph, what would it be? I think it would be a picture of someone doing a handstand. And the reason I say that is because when you're in a handstand, I was a gymnast growing up. When you're in a handstand, you're constantly making little adjustments with your hands for balance. Mm -hmm. So I think that's kind of like running a business. Like you're sort of recalibrating all the time, right? Mm -hmm. You're like making adjustments in what's right for you and what's right for your clients. And um, in order to stay like balanced and whole, Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, that's the image I like. Oh, I love that. That's so unique. I love the meaning behind it. That's awesome. Very cool. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for joining me today. You shared so much great information that I know it's going to be helpful to so many people and me. So that's awesome. Um, So I love chatting with you and this was so great. I can't wait for everyone to hear it. Thank you so much, Caitlin. It's been really fun. And if anybody has follow-up questions or just wants to chat about small business topics, like shoot me questions. So happy to help. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the Inspired by Her Story podcast. I hope you found some inspiration, motivation, encouragement, and empowerment to get you out of your comfort zone and live your life to the fullest. Make sure to follow, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts and follow the podcast at Inspired by Her Story on Instagram. Follow my brand photography on Instagram at Caitlin Casso Creations and come along with me during my travels at Caitlin Casso. Go ahead and share the podcast with a friend and take these stories with you to make the changes in your life that you've been looking for. Stay tuned for the next Inspired by Her Story episode.